Hello, Raja. How you doing? What's up, Mom? I'm okay. How are you? I'm pretty good. Sunshiny day. I know we've had a bit of a hiatus, you know, technical difficulties, but we're back. Yes, we are. We're ready. Last episode, we talked about the history of the modern day lottery. Um, It was called the numbers game. Yes, talk about those numbers and how it was making us money and living in our communities. Yes, black and Latino people were responsible for developing a billion-dollar industry that was uh, dismantled after the involvement of local government, and it is now regulated the way it is, you know. I'm Angela. I'm Raja. And this is Talking Talkin Brown Sugar. Sugar. Talking brown sugar, all in your stereo. As always, you can find us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Talking Brown Sugar, on Twitter at Talking Brown Sugar. That's Talking Brown S U G. You can always email us at talkingbrown.sugar at gmail.com. Um, give us some five stars, leave reviews, let people know that you're listening to us. And some people don't know what podcasts are. So start introducing your friends to your favorite podcasts, whether that be us, you know, or just something you listen to on the daily. Share the love and let people know how they can listen on and offline. We're in the Sugar Bowl today, talking random thoughts. What you got for the people, Mom? My little random thought is mean mugging in the checkout line. You know how you're in the grocery store or your other little checkout center like at Walmart or Kmart, Walgreens, Rite Aid. And you're looking over in another aisle and you notice that people are looking at you. You mean mug, then I mean mug, then... It just like triples in a wave, and then you get the laughing to yourself. Why are we mean mugging? I don't try to mean mug at little kids though, but sometimes the cashiers will turn off their lights when they see like their register and they're through with their first customer. And, you know, you try to race over there before another customer comes and get in the line, and you just mean mug them like you know that was my spot. So are they mean mugging because you cut them off in line? Oh, uh-huh, that's your fault. Or um, are they, y'all just me mugging because, you know, trying to measure? I think it just happens automatically, like a little territorial. Like, you know, you know I'm looking at that line, you know, watching it. And sometimes some cashiers, you know, wave you over. And this person might have two items. I might. Most of the time, I'm usually pretty friendly about letting them get in front of me. But sometimes I've been, uh-uh, you know, mean mug me. I saw you. You mean mug me. And sometimes me mugging even goes outside the store. But I try not to start no fights or anything like that because I ain't got time for that. No, everybody has a gun, so, you know, it's not a the best mode. But I don't think me mugging for me only happens or would happen the most um, in Walmart because they never have enough lines. But other than that, I am not really concerned about other people. Starbucks, I mean, you'll look at people every now and then. See whose name's going to pop up with what face. But then that, Walmart is probably where I get the most meme mugs. I believe you. 
Well, going to my next one. Nicknames. I know some of us still have them. Do we grow out of nicknames? Or when are you too old to have a nickname? Oh, do we still give these little kids nicknames? What kind of nickname did you have? I don't even want to tell you. You didn't have a nickname, did you? I had a nickname when I was little because I used to like to drink milk and I had gas. <laughs> and my mom and daddy would call me Pootie Pie. <laughs> and that's the truth. And this is the first time my daughter heard about it. Pootie pie. <laughs> but it stayed in the house. It didn't go outside the house. Clearly, because I didn't know about it. I won't go never tell you till you ask. But that's the truth. Pootie pie. Just like my name is Angela, I do not answer to no Ann. And some people, even when you go to a party or something, and you don't know who the person is, and they be calling somebody Rat Rat, and you be looking around like, who is Rat Rat? And you be like, oh, that's Donald. Let's get back to this Pootie Pie. <laughs> when did you stop being called Pootie Pie, Pootie Pie? When I was about nine years old. But you still let those intolerant. I know. I got worse after I had the kids. The kids, a.k.a. me and my younger and older brother. Shout out to them. Yes, I love them, but they gave me gas. Ooh, I, I think we did not give you gas. Yeah, y'all gave me the... Yep. Yeah, I don't care for any of my childhood nicknames. Um, you know, excluding the ones the raggedy classmates gave me. My uh, grandma uh, affectionately called me Pookie. And that's something that everybody on my dad's side of the family would call me. Um, because, yeah, I don't know. Pookie. That was, that was my least favorite. Um the other nickname was Pocahontas because I love that movie. Oh, man, that was a great movie. When I was growing up, I used to watch it all the time. Had a VHS. That was the movie I would just play over and over and over again when I'd be at Grandma's house. And I believe some people call people nicknames because they don't know no better. Or some nicknames just last with people even up to the grave. You'd be going to somebody's funeral or go to church and you'd be like, who was that? I didn't know that was his nickname. I thought that was his name. Especially when you don't know how to pronounce the person's actual name. Um, I think that's why I made it a habit as I got older. Um, if I don't know you or, you know, our first time interacting, you do call me Raja. And then if we get to um, a different level of, you know, friendship, relationship, whatever, you can call me Raj. And then only um, close family I will allow to call me Ra. Or Ra Ra. Yep, raw or raw raw. Yep, that's just family. Um, Your older brother calls you that. Yeah, my older brother calls me raw raw. Um, but only certain. There's a select few people who can call me raw. A lot of people who are friends do call. They they call me Raj, which I'm fine with. I'm um, even at work. There are a few people who call me Raj, and that's fine with me. I'm like that too. I don't like people to call me like I said earlier. Angie. Now I like Angie. Angie is fine or Ange. But don't call me Ann. I will not answer you. I will not. I'm sorry. Any oh, what? Nothing. I was about to sing a Michael Jackson song. See, you about to say something crazy? No, you know, Annie, are you okay? But um, we'll talk about that on another episode. Yeah. Um, my sugar bowl. Um, I just found out that my mom's middle name is um, Evandre. 
Yvonne J. Um, ever since kindergarten, I've been telling people her name was Yolanda because <laughs> that's all I could pronounce was Yolanda, which is funny. And um, I've only known her as Angela Yolanda. Insert her last name. It's because you think probably of the Y. I thought it was Yolanda. And that's when we, what, didn't we ask your brother, your older brother? Yes, we just called um, my older brother on the phone, Will, to see if he knew. He knew it started with the Y, and he knew it wasn't Yolanda. Um, but he didn't remember exactly what it was. And it's what? Yvonne Yvonne Who knew? Who knew? Um, everybody with a parent or parents, um, do you know your parents' middle name? Because apparently I didn't, and it took me more than two decades to get that right. Or their nickname. Ask them if they have a nickname. Is somebody call a childhood nickname, a family nickname passed down? <laughs> Tell us if it's funnier than Pootie Pie or Pookie. <laughs> um, my other sugar bowl random thought, um, just thinking about relationships, I feel like I've said something similar to this before. But you do not owe people... Um, Loyalty just because, you know, for the sake of loyalty, it's okay to distance yourself from people and love them from afar or remove yourself completely. You got to do what's right for you. Um, choose yourself first, you know, um, in relationships. There's, there's no reason for you to be in a toxic relationship, you know, if you're sacrificing more than the other person for the sake of loyalty. Choose yourself first. Sugar Cubes, a.k.a. The News, where we put a little sugar in your cup. My little story is a little sad. It comes from um, Bow Lakes, Oklahoma. Three dead, including middle school students, in a bus crash. At least three people are dead, including one student, after a school bus carrying a middle school softball team collided head-on with an SUV allegedly driven by a drunk driver in Oklahoma, according to statement released by school officials. The accident happened late Friday night near Bow Lakes, Oklahoma, at US-377 in Seminole County, excuse me, y'all, about an hour southeast of Oklahoma City, as the bus carrying six girls and their coach from Kanoa Junior High School crossed the Little River Bridge. They were hit on by a drunk driver, said the school superintendent, Coriolis, in a statement released on Saturday. A male driver and a female passenger in the SUV were pronounced dead on the scene, according to the Oklahoma Highway Patrol. One child died on the bus. The names and ages of all softball players, including the girl who died, have not released, according to the State Highway Patrol. Schools is expected to be closed on Monday and extracurricular activities will suspend for the week, said Ellis in a statement. So, getting back to what I feel, when we've been having so many of these school crashes and things like this, regularly things going on with the school, we miss out on a lot. And it's so sad. But how I feel, you need to tell somebody you love them. Every day, or leave a little note, because you never know when you might not see them again. And for the DWI, people stop driving and drinking. How many times we can say this? And in a little more of this report, they even show how the bus driver tried to sway 
more out of the way, but the van still collided with them, and there was damage done. Hearts felt for the families, for me, and for my daughter. Yeah, that's a sad story, um, especially for the young kid that um, was killed in the crash. Um, yeah, there's no excuse for drinking and driving, but that's something that occurs more often than you think. Yes, we've been seeing more of these bus accidents happen with the drivers acting in a certain way. Some things caught on video, some not. Kids acting up. But we got to always remember, tell someone you care about them before it's too late. But now to some <laughs> in your cup right here, baby. Uh, this comes in Concord, South Carolina. A viral video shows a subway worker hitting, cursing at a woman. So, uh, Miss Tina Richardson went to a subway. She purchased a sandwich. Went home and noticed the sandwich was not like she liked it for one of her elderly caretakers, the lady she takes care of. So she took the sandwich back, and she just asked for a refund. She was asking for a refund, so the uh, attendant that was at the register said, well, let me get the manager. So they got the manager. He was livid. So if y'all get time, you know, check this little video out. So in the process of that, he got the cussing, fussing, threw the sandwich at her. So Subway did apologize. The franchise apologized to her. But the manager later on um, came to, I guess, his good senses because I guess he's a franchise owner. And he regrets how he handled the situation apologizing to Miss Richardson on the situation. But how I feel about it. He could handle that totally. All he had to do was just get Lady her, her money back or make her another sandwich and still gave her a refund. Save face. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes. Uh, what's interesting about this story is that um, the guy who was beating her up, the elderly woman, um, was a franchise owner. And I know in uh, many cases of when, you know, a big, box brand has franchises or it allows people to um, be franchisees um the way most of the contracts are set up um is that you are liable for whatever um goes wrong in your store and so subway can't they can't fire him because he just owes like he owns that franchise subway so he owns that location so how he chooses to run it was that way with him throwing the sandwich at her and smacking her. His employee, um, in the video you can see, was acting confidently as well because they probably knew, you know, this isn't owned by the Subway brand, but an individual person, franchisee. So um, I think it's interesting, especially in the cases of where we have, um, like, customers being abused by employees and vice versa, how it's handled by larger brands, you know, if the store's a franchise. So I think he acted confidently knowing who going to check me. Exactly. But I feel that, you know, as a, the community where she's at, they can just slow down and boycott in their own way. Just don't give them any business. Or better yet, just do a little sit-in. Everything else has happened. Let's stand for what you believe. It's your money. It's your right. Yeah. Um. That was unnecessary. Yes. Yes, uh, my article, first one is coming from NBC News. Um, Carbon monoxide is killing public housing residents, but HUD 
doesn't require detectors. Um, so residents of South Carolina public housing complex are demanding answers after two of their neighbors have died from the gas. Um, so NBC has done their own investigation. They were able to find since 2003 that there have been um, 11 deaths, um, people dying from uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, what they also found was that in many public housing, um, I guess, units that aren't uh, under the HUD um, control, so if they're not receiving funding from HUD directly, they're not required to have carbon monoxide uh, detectors, but the ones that are managed and under HUD are required to have um, those kind of detectors. And there is no federal law that punishes people um, or, you know, the landlords of or organizations of these um, public housing units that have not been requiring or using those kind of detectors. Um, and so the issue is that, you know, with young children, elderly, disabled, everybody is at risk of um, brain damage, um, other ailments and diseases that can develop over time, if not immediately, um, the more they're exposed to the toxins. Um, they're also exposed um, to things like exposed wires, uh, roast infestations, damaged ceilings. So, you know, that could be mold, all kinds of things. And then um, high volume of rodent droppings. Um, and just in January of this year, that's what inspectors found in um, places after those two deaths. Um so there's no way to know how safe um, public housing units are that aren't regulated by the government. Yeah, sometimes you can call your city officials who handle a lot of mold, asbestos. They might can't do nothing about it, but they might can spearhead and come together and write a letter. Or better yet, sometimes you have to take it upon your own, go in your own pocket, go to a Ace Hardware store, and purchase a little um, detector. I just think this is a sign of the times um, that things are coming to a head. You know, at some point we do have to restructure our infrastructure. Um, and a lot of that is going to have to be led by the government because if, in a lot of cases, if there isn't a federal requirement, you know, cities, states, municipalities, whatever are going to do what they feel or what they, you know, don't feel like they have time to focus on. But in a lot of places, um, that's something to consider because now more people are having to rely on public housing because there isn't affordable housing um, across the country. And, you know, we have issues with our water quality, even in North Carolina, all kinds of every state. That's a growing concern now that, you know, Certain people's kids are now affected. You know, Flint hasn't had clean water in how long? Right. So um, just looking at this article, I'm thinking about how all of this is like a domino effect of old infrastructure and old systems that are in place that have been impacting um, people, especially people of color, um, people who have disabilities, elderly, like it's all hit at home, especially with the youth, because these are issues that we should have fixed 
um, in the past, but now that um, they've been operating this long, the effects are starting to spill out. You know, once you start losing populations or certain kinds of populations, where do you think it's going to spread to? Where do you think the harm is going to spread? As the population continues to grow, um, yeah, we need new infrastructure to support, and not just new infrastructure, but new systems in place so we don't have this issue. People should not be dying of carbon monoxide just because they're in public housing. And, you know, there's a lot of people who can't afford the housing that they do have. Um, Just so many issues. And I think it's just crazy how it's all a domino effect and it's all connected. Because it's not just that they have carbon monoxide. Like, it's any given thing that could, you know, take you out. Um, Especially with the high volume of rodent droppings and all those germs and chemicals and just being exposed to rats and yeah. Um, moving on to my next article from NPR. Uh, they're talking about how the grow marijuana industry struggles to attract employees of color. Um, as many of you may know, marijuana is becoming legal around the country and it says blacks and latinos are often left out of the new business opportunities advocates say people of color are often reluctant to join the growing legal marijuana economy because they are targeted far more often than whites during the war on drugs studies show members of such communities were arrested in jail for illegal marijuana use far more often than whites as Massachusetts developed laws for legal marijuana, officials wrote that they claimed was the first in the nation social equity program explicitly to give members of those communities a leg up. Um, that's something I was thinking about, too, as, you know, um, New Jersey is considering as well um, the legalization of marijuana. And um, many people have brought up the concern of how is this going to affect people who are already in jail um, so, you know, will there be retroactive um, laws and things be put in place to help people who were jailed for non-violent um, use charges? And now thinking about how many um, people who are in the marijuana industry, how many of those are people of color? Um, it's just interesting how the war on drugs has produced this kind of situation. Yeah, it's funny how we talking about the economic use for different states to make money illegally when before they tried to abandon it. But now, when they make these new laws go into the states, they try to find other ways to reprimand and say, are you using marijuana in public housing or whatever? But we need to stay true and follow up on more of these rules and regulations. Yeah, they were saying they're developing in the social equity program because next to no black or Latino um, candidates have applied for licenses to um, legally sell in Massachusetts. Um, and I wonder what that looks like in other states that have already have um, had the legal marijuana in place for a while. Because sometimes they're using it as medical marijuana. They're using that to like draw people in to have a bigger status quo of people for the economic means, saying that's the right way to do it, besides just leisurely pleasure. I know. Um, I think we talked about, too, in this show. I don't remember. Um, 
the issue as well as um, getting banks on board because then you have a business that's bringing in so much money so quickly that you need to go to the bank to literally drop all bags of money, but the banks won't accept it because they're like, oh, no, this is technically drug money, but it's not because it's it's legal now. So um, it's interesting just watching how this new industry will impact the economy and how will, you know, black and brown uh communities be able to participate and also benefit from this as well. Wellness check, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes we need to check up under and up top. What I mean is help yourself, get a mirror, search and look for lumps, bumps. Because sometimes we are so busy during the day, we don't check ourselves. So what you need to do, is take your time, shower after shower, like near where you put your deodorant on, up in your arms, take a mirror, check yourself out. Down below, check yourself out. You'd be surprised what you might find. And then you want to stay healthy. Yes, if you see something abnormal, go seek professional help from your physician, clinic, wherever you go to get your uh, health care. We want you to stay healthy, people. It's time for the main discussion. Today we'll be talking a bit about prison, jails, and mass incarceration. I want to give a quick shout out to Jew from Durham. You know who you are. Thanks, girl, for the suggestion. Um, she talked to us about a situation that her boyfriend is in. Uh, wrong place, wrong time. He is... Uh, went to court we haven't heard any updates but let us know Jew in our dms uh what's going on with his situation um but she wanted us to talk about that and how the system has uh changed over time and so we're going to talk about that um the main difference between jail and prison this is something i learned in school um, in college, specifically when I was studying criminology, um, I noticed that um, in my own thinking, when listening to people talk about jail versus prison, I would think of them as the same thing, but prison being for like more serious offenses and things like that. But actually, um, jail is just supposed to be for people who are awaiting their court dates, so they haven't been proven guilty or innocent. Um you know, if you're proven uh, innocent or, you know, you're acquitted, you are to go free. Um, and free in quotations, because um, that could come other penalties as well. You know, if you have charges and things like that, they could still appear in your record, depending on what kind of charges they are. Um, and then if you are convicted, found guilty, and you get sentenced which can, you know, happen even after you've been convicted, long after. Like, you could still be waiting in jail before you're actually sent to a prison. And prison is for people who have been convicted. Um, Something else we also noticed is, we talked about it too before, how jails are used um, to house, you know, homeless, people who... um, are mentally ill, especially with a lot of uh, mental 
uh, facilities, mental health facilities that have been closing down. And so what happens when we don't have systems in place for people who are suffering and, you know, have no caretaker, um, they end up sometimes in jail. Um, Yes. The United States has the largest of jails, federal, than any other country, and it, and prisons, and it affects our economics as a person and our, us as being taxpayers. So we have to look at the flow and keep up with our government officials on who's making money, who's benefiting from all these prisons and jails being built in the system. Yeah, Michelle Alexander does a great breakdown of how that has transpired, the history of that, and um, the book, The New Jim Crow. She illustrates how um, black men and Latino black men as well have been um, in jail and in prison in in that system um, more frequently and in larger quantities considering the percentage the black and Latino communities make up of the whole community of people throughout the country, well, specifically the U.S. Um, also, um, something to note is that women are also um, the fastest growing incarcerated population with about 219,000 women in both jails and prisons, according to the ACLU. Um, we've seen in the news lots of stories popping up about how um, the issue is with like feminine care products and how that's regulated because a lot of jails and prisons are for-profit businesses. So, you know, they make money off of the number of heads they have in the beds and they're not regulated federally. So they don't have to provide um, certain products, um, certain kinds of health care. Uh, based on the laws that exist or don't exist, um, there are loopholes in that. Um, in some cases where women are forced to make, you know, three pairs of underwear last for months, um, and like a pack of sanitary pads last, um, regardless of how long her personal like period cycle may be, um, and also thinking about like women being the growing number of um, incarcerated people. Um, You think about trans people as well. Um, We've had and have seen recent stories about how um, like trans people have uh, the injustice against them and how they're housed as far as like a trans woman being housed with men um, in the case of fighting to be put in a women's prison because that's what the trans woman identifies as. And she's a trans woman, so she would go in the women's prison. So um, not having those systems in place um, or just having a system in place that identifies people um, differently than what is available to the public. Yes. Um, like in 2017, we spent $8.1 billion. That's- it would- as taxpayers. For what? For housing the incarcerated individuals. Yes, in jails and prisons. Yes. What's the number again? Eight 
$1.1 billion. And you can just compare that to how much money we spend as taxpayers in schools and um, all of that. Um, it's just crazy um, that we spend so much money for that. And then we have people who aren't or shouldn't even be in jail um, based on how the laws and the justice system is set up. Um, the ACLU talked about how um, the cash bail system was originally designed to ensure that people return to court as their case progresses, but it has morphed into a for-profit system of wealth-based incarceration. Um, so, you know, you go, you commit a crime, you get um, charged, you go to court, and judge sets the bail. Um, if you're lucky enough, you'll have somebody who can pay 10% of whatever that bail is. And, um, then you're able to go back home on the insurance that the person who paid that 10%, um, wouldn't have to pay the whole bail amount as long as you return to court. Um, but in many cases, um, especially, you know, poor people, um, underserved people, uh, more often than not, black and brown people of color who are incarcerated um, have less of a chance of, you know, getting bail, which means you have to sit in jail until your court um, date arrives. And even then, it's no guarantee that there'll be any settlement or progress in your actual case. So in many cases, people are just sitting in jail not in it they're not necessarily guilty or innocent they're just sitting in jail until their case progresses yes and if you check the doc website the statement tells you the jobs how much they get paid per month and a doc policy however must be paid between seven dollars and 23 cents and fourteen dollars and 45 cents and if they're on a special assignment sometimes they can get like a four dollar increase this is in April 10th, 2017. Even though they get paid, sometimes this has to go be out, paid out the pocket from them on their probation. Or if they have child support, even if it's a lady, they have to buy their personal products on site. Because sometimes they can't allow them to have things inside where they are in jail or in the prison. But the economic needs always come back on the taxpayers because this is a billion dollar business for different states that's why you have jails keep building and you wonder who is housing them even though sometimes the crime doesn't fit the time these individuals are getting right and i think that's the point i keep trying to bring home is that people in jail have not been proven innocent or guilty so a lot of you know some of the public response to it as well they're in jail they did something bad and in some, like in Jew's boyfriend case, she said that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And um, how many people can say that, you know, they were in the wrong place at one time? Um, and if they had went to jail, you know, you wouldn't have anybody to bail you up. Or what that would have done to your career, relationship with the kids, you got kids, um, education. Some people are trying in the middle of pursuing degrees, but, you know, you go to jail, boom, stuck, lose your job. Um, had to forfeit anything else you're trying to do in the outside world because you're stuck in jail because you can't afford bail. 
but also um like we've seen stories like in Baltimore how people are literally uh, freezing they were freezing to death so they were um on hunger strikes and yelling out of the window to the public telling people what was going on um and it's just so many cases where we see the condition that people have to live in um simply because they're accused they're allegedly have allegedly committed a crime um and it's a waste of money if you think about it if you are somebody who's big about you know con- as we all should be concerned about where our taxes are going um i visited a jail i visited a couple of jails twice yeah two different jails um so i think um you everybody should visit jails and see how it is um and thinking about how little people make to your point mom in jail how much money they have to spend to talk to their loved ones um you know that is in and of itself a whole other industry like there's so many industries that have popped out of um prisons and jails like with the infrastructure so um who's going to supply the brick and mortar or whatever to build the jail but also um like phone companies that are profiting off of this because they're high prices um charging families to communicate via uh, like a Skype service with their loved one who's three feet away but because of this new policy the jail has instituted you can't visit and talk to the person you know with even with the glass between them or face to face um but like just that transformation and evolution speaks to a lot of the ethics and morals I think in this country um is very telling about where we're going so um I think it's time that we get more vocal about this because it's our money that we keep talking about that we're losing and don't have for ourselves for housing a basic necessity but we have it for jails and things like that not education for the babies you know just just despicable so vote be aware keep reading do your own research um use your vote your vote still matters and check on your people that are, you know incarcerated or whatever and, and check on the lawyers that they have especially not trying to bad mouth the court appointed lawyer but sometimes we have to stay behind them you have to fight for your rights check on their mental well-being also Cause this breaks down the whole structure of a household, especially if it's dependent on that person. Definitely, um, court-appointed lawyers have so many cases to deal with. Um, it's no like logical way they'll be able to uh, handle their caseload and your case um, the way you think it should be. So, if you can afford a lawyer, get one. If not, try to be. Um, I guess just studious in finding alternative means or just making sure that you read everything because when somebody pleads guilty, you plead guilty. Once you sign and say, I'm guilty, that is it. That comes up on E-Verify and that is linked to that person's name. Um, There are only certain circumstances where you can get that removed from your record um, without having to wait, you know, so many years depending on the level or type of crime. I agree. So, we gotta stay vigilant. I'm Angela the mom. I'm Rasha the daughter. We out!